podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the weekend from the Anfield Wrap, ahead of what could be the biggest and greatest weekend of all of our lives if things go our way. Uh, the Reds have managed the impossible and made it to a second consecutive Champions League final. They will face Tottenham Hotspur in Madrid on the 1st of June and there's still the possibility of a glorious, glorious Premier League title win on Sunday. Uh, to go over all of that and more, I've got with me Alison McGovern, John Gibbons, Lizzie Doyle and Jay McKenna. We're also going to be having a chat with uh, Jonathan Liu about his fantastic piece for the Independent this week in the aftermath of the Barcelona tie. We're going to be talking to Paul Dehaney, a resident uh, Tottenham Hotspur contributor to the Anfield Wrap, um, and also going to be having a chat about the 100th edition of Bido Lito magazine, which is a Liverpool institution. But for now, um, John, before we get into the specifics of the Barcelona game again, this is the maddest few days of football that they've ever been, isn't yeah. it? Um, I was watching it again last night, just completely in awe, mouth agape, goes all the way back to, you know, the Origi goal last weekend, even, you know, the City match the other night, it went badly for us, but it was absolutely gripping, it was a riveting game to watch. There are people who don't get this, but football is the best thing on the planet. It is, but the fact that, you know, this is sort of unprecedented football as well is is absolutely great. Like, every night it feels like there's a new episode of your favourite TV show. It's almost like, you know, it's it's just, you know, what's on tonight? Oh, brilliant, you know what I mean? Like, more stuff, like, like... You know, you won't, these Europa League games are probably just going to be boss now. You know what I mean? Like anything could happen. It is great, and you know the fact that you know these elite footballers are, are able to just perform week after week and just and always bring stuff like is incredible. Like no one's cracking. It seems well apart from Barcelona lads, but we're not too <laughs> bad. <laughs> but you know, and also like the that that Origi goal feels like about a month ago now. Yeah, yeah, where it was where it was actually on Saturday. Um, so it's it's great and. I went from about a week ago and I could do with the season ending, you know, to now. I, I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to do for three weeks before between now and the Champions League final. I want the bus here, Sunday, <laughs> six pm. <laughs> league title win or not? Quite like <laughs> um, Alison, it was even top of the bill. Uh, Prime Minister's questions. It's it's it Liverpool was. in midweek was was the biggest news story that there was. That really shows the I power mean, of what happened. Talk about massive collective experience. You know, we t- we say the days are over of like the whole nation engaging in like one thing and everybody watching it on the telly. No way is that over. You know, absolutely everybody I know, literally every single human being I know in this country texted me at the end of that game. And it just felt like a massive collective experience. I even had Manchester City supporting, other Manchester City supporting MPs messaging me on Twitter going like, oh, that was brilliant. That was right. I was like, hang on a minute. <laughs> Lucy Powell. You, know, you support Manchester City. What is this? So it has been like this massive collective experience. And you do kind of feel deeply sorry for people who don't like football. I mean, I know that like it must also be kind of painful for some to have this dominating, absolutely dominating everything. But I think even people who just like football like a little bit have got really, really emotionally involved. and It's amazing. Lizzie, even the Barcelona game to me feels like a lifetime ago now, partly because it's just so emotionally draining as a 90 minutes and then the aftermath where you just wanted to hug every human being that you've ever met, basically. <laughs> But we have to keep talking about it because it simply was the, the the greatest night that Anfield's ever seen. You know, people an awful lot older than me 
were, were queuing up to tell me that it was better than San Etienne and better than you know whatever they'd seen in the 60s and the 05 run and even last year we thought that was brilliant but this was even better than what a privilege it was to be there. I have to keep talking about it because it doesn't feel real. I have to keep making it real because it doesn't feel real. I've watched the highlights so many times. Again, I keep pinching myself and do you know what? I made up that personally and selfishly I had that moment because I was too young for Istanbul really. I mean, I remember it, I enjoyed it but I wasn't properly into football at the time and all I hear about is my dad going on about all those nights you've just mentioned, Olympiacos. Um, Man City in the quarters last year was good in terms of atmosphere and, and it, that was a boss game and that was the best I'd felt really at Anfield. But I tell you what, I am glad that I got my moments. I got my Liverpool moments and I will remember that feeling of euphoria till I die basically. Um, they, they were magnificent and it should be talked about for years and years and years because I think that is one of the best games you'll ever see. I don't think you can talk about it for years just because I don't think you'd know what to say. You, it would be dead <laughs> hard to go up to someone and go, yeah, so what it was, right, is we went to Barcelona, we got beat 3-0 and like the greatest player to have ever played the game, right, scored and he took it away from us and we all excused it in all of our heads and then we came back and we went to Anfield and we we holding that thing of, oh, well, you never know. I, I seen Ben Giorno before the game, but Adam, what, you going to do this? You know, <laughs> there's no chance we're going to do this. And then we scored early. And I think even then we thought they're going to have a go here. They're going to get something out of this. And then then the second half just, just happened. And I, I think I've had bigger let-offs celebrating a goal at Anfield than any of them goals, I think. Because there was just almost like, the first one was a bit of defiance. The second, you're thinking... Oh, go on then, but I don't want it. And then the third, it was just like I was just incredulous. I was just looking, thinking, "See, really, just edit that in like that?" Because like, it was just like the, it's. We just won the ball back dead quick. We give them it again, and what? He's just, he's just edited that. Like it didn't. It didn't look real in the from where I was. I didn't cop, celebrate just, the fourth because I just didn't, didn't understand what was going on. Like, the fourth I'd seen happen, and I started celebrating. And we mate, I just turned around, and my mate was just like looking at it as if to say like. Like looking at the players as if they were going to telepathically tell him what occurred. <laughs> <laughs> like Trent's going to say to him, like what it was is seeing this ball get kicked yeah. off the pitch and I just whipped it in and we made go, is that a goal? Is that? A... And then, but it was almost like a celebration of, it wasn't even a let off of like relief and stuff like that. It was just joy. Oh, it was just absolutely. Happiness and no need to be wild of just like, it was this just, is us. It was just amazing. It was absolute joy. And I think part of that is the nerve of those players. Yeah. Like the nerve of those players to come out of that and do that, you know, like ab- the absolute confidence and self-belief. You just kind of look at them a little bit in awe and a little bit obviously in pride, but also just like uh, completely appreciating the way that they enjoyed their ability to play the game. And, and it it was it was absolutely joyful. There's lots Jürgen Klopp's done with these players, but and, and it. I sort of brought it into focus there on the subscribers group. Someone was saying, you know, we, we need to not worry. Look, the players don't. And it's like, no, mate, that's our job. We, this is what we do. We worry what might happen and what might go wrong and stuff like that. But those players, Andy Robinson sets the zone, doesn't he, with, with, with Messi, you know, rubs them on the head. You're, I'm thinking in the stand, lad, don't wind them up. He's boss. When everyone's singing to Suarez, I'm thinking, he doesn't need further encouragement to be a snide and be boss. But the players were just like, go on then. We'll do what we want. We're, we're not concerned by this. We know if we do our job, we can at least get close to doing this. And they were supremely confident. Even you know, from 70 minutes on, I was, I was thinking, Lionel Messi didn't really feature. I didn't think, in that, I know he had the chance against Amazon. 
but you weren't thinking he stepped up because I, I think even the Barcelona players at that point I just thought Liverpool have got this in control. Liverpool are controlling this game relatively, you know, in comparison to Barcelona that had took it away from us last week. It's them now thinking we've got no answer to Liverpool, which is phenomenal. John, um, everyone I know has either at least watched the game back once or the highlights about 15 times. Um, what I keep watching though is, is BT have put a few things on their yeah. YouTube channel and one of the things they've done is just compiled basically all of the post-match. Um, so they've got a few of the interviews that they did on the pitch. Um, yeah. They've got the You'll Never Walk Alone. They've got the players just sort of breaking down at the end. And I think I might just have to watch it every day for the rest <laughs> of my life because it's so brilliant. And I can't really conceive of another scenario another event that that can come up with something like that 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 level and that that specific nature of human emotion where it, it, it's it's that it's that level of of joy but also shock and pride and everything all in one you know i don't think any other sport comes close to that um some sort of religious events may do i'm not really sure but but that really is unique that's something that, that we're very privileged to have lived and, and and an awful lot of people will go through life and won't yeah no you're completely right and and it's it's great for for stuff like that, isn't it? How how sport kind of footage is evolved, really. That, that you can, you know, the, the no filter stuff that BT support, BT sport do is absolutely brilliant. And you know that you'll never walk alone. You know the fact that there's a camera there capturing it all. And I just love seeing the the emotion in the players as well because you know because because it shows that they're loving it just as much as you are, which is all we ever want, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? Like, the worst thing in the world you could accuse a footballer of is not caring or not trying. Like, that's worse than saying someone's crap, isn't it? Like, you know what I mean? So when you see that, you know, someone like James Milner, who's, you know, a, this tough Yorkshireman who's, who's seen it all, who's won stuff, you know, he's in tears, you know, you see Fabinho, he's only been at the club, like, seven or eight months, you know, struggling to get into the team at first. I think there was one time he couldn't even get in the squad and, and then he's like so emotional, you know, doing this, you never walk alone in front of the cop. They realise that they've been part of something really special and they realise that, you know, all the hard work that they've put in throughout the, the lives getting to this point, you know, they, they could recognise that, you know, whatever happens in Madrid now, this is this was a really kind of special night and, and just to see the emotion in their faces was, was really nice and I made up it was the whole squad, you know, it was the, you know, seeing like, um, you know, when the third goal of them being Brewster's just yeah. bouncing over yeah. and all that, and just like going off to get this, you know what I mean? Like, um, you know, even the ball boy got a bit involved in the air, <laughs> after the, you know what I mean? Which well, is, um, well, they don't yeah, I don't think he was asking boy. for a selfie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, can I just have one? I don't think he's a ball boy, I think he's a kid who's just dressed like him. There's going to be loads of them kids yeah. in uh, Madrid now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, not, a, not a selfie, but he did get a really special photograph taken of him <laughs> yeah. with Lionel there's Messi. There's in, in the clip of that though, right? There's a boss bit. I mean, if he was a ball boy, he is a Teddy ball. <laughs> yeah, he's not at the academy anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Great footballing career, mate, but it's, that was your eye right now. <laughs> <laughs> just matter how good you're going to be there's a boss moment though where he does that then you see this steward having to like leg it after him and just in the background you see Jordan Henderson just hit the deck yeah, yeah, <laughs> just like yeah. it's like he's fell over something he's just done and it's just it, that's all the emotion that's Liverpool fans who are like ah watch you know all this arrogance and swagger and cockiness where you know we've just beat yous and Lionel Messi dejected and Jordan Henderson just incredulous and you know done exhausted, in, exhausted yeah. from it all it, that captures I think so much of that thing if you showed people that I think they'd they'd be able to accurately depict the emotions that lots of people were experiencing that night as a consequence, whether it's Barcelona, whether it's the fans, whether it's the players. And you know, Dan's just said there about the players at the end and stuff like that. It, it, I hate to just say this just sounds like cliche and stuff like that in the moment, but it, it, it was like a genuine collective thing. It was mm. that one. They didn't just come to the cop because, you know, it's the thing to do to celebrate. 
they, they just wanted to soak it in. Yeah. They yeah. wanted to adore us and we wanted to adore them. You saw it with, fantastic. Sorry, Jay, you saw it with the interviews as well. Like they were trying to grab people and they were going, oh, we want to be over there. <laughs> Trent, Trent's yeah. fuming. There's some big fella, yeah. some big fella yeah. who comes over to get him, right? And he just literally shrugs him off and goes and gets on the end. And <laughs> eventually you'll never walk alone stops. And the fella's like, you know, tell him to come do the interview. So Trent's like walking dead slow, like he's being subbed. <laughs> and then the fella's got his arm around his waist and he's like pushing him along. And Trent's like doing that thing, like, no, I'm not, I'm not coming in for me team, mum. Playing with me, mate. Stop doing And then like to get, the, to get his own back. Then decides to do a lap of honor on his own. He's like, yeah. I'll watch this. I'm staying out late. You're not making me. Because they just, well, I, I, like, I was fuming he went off there daily. I was fuming all the players when, when down the I was like, I just want to stay here. Yeah. But like Chelsea, oh, fat, I just wanted to stay here. And, in, and then I thought to myself, nah, cause these players are going down the tunnel going, we've got Sunday, lads, don't worry. Yeah. This, yeah, is still, yeah. this is still it. This isn't the end. This is like, this could be the best week of our lives. We will be coming on to Sunday in a little bit, but Alison, it's a second consecutive Champions League final. It's a Amazing. third European final out of three European tournaments under this manager, a third in four years. He's never lost a two-legged European tie in his entire time as Liverpool manager. What an adventure we've been on with him in the past few years. Oh, he's amazing. And I think that when we think about the squad of players that we've got, and you think about both um, what I think, like there's basically like the young players, the cheap players and the expensive players. And like, and they're all good in their different ways, right? So Klopp's been amazing at at bringing on talent. And and uh, John mentioned um, Rian Brewster, like, to come you know like we've got we've got excitement to come in the players that are coming up we've got those amazing buys I mean Andy Robertson being being the classic but also Shakiri, you know like players that maybe other people had written off or didn't see anything of who've proved themselves to be well I mean Andy Robertson you know proved himself to be one of the best players in in the league Klopp has got to be at the heart of that. And then there's there's the skill to identify, albeit, you know, with a few bumps along the road with certain signings, to identify exactly what the squad needed and get it in the right shape. I think the other thing about Klopp is not just it's not just his strategic ability in terms of the squad and um and what it should look like and what he's looking for and maximizing the you know the spending power at his disposal and at the team's disposal but also the way that he you never get the sense that he is one of those managers who is dictating to players like football's a game where you know everybody needs a shout you know it's hard to play and think right so if you're told what to do by a manager this is your job just do this you know Burnley-esque just form up in this way and do these things then in many ways, that makes you a better footballer because you're able to like just not think and just play. Whereas you get the impression with with Klopp that he enables those players to think for themselves, and that they're sometimes that they will want to do their own thing. So like, like obviously Virgil's like leadership and the way that he is often guiding the play on the pitch, and sometimes you get the impression that like not always agreeing with what what the manager wants to happen but you can see that level of trust from Klopp in the players and I think that makes that has made them all better in their own way feeling that that person who's the leader actually really really trusts those people to do a job for him has made them all like like 20 30 percent better than they would otherwise be what a guy 
Lizzie, it is Tottenham now on the 1st of June in the Wanda Metropolitano in Madrid. Um, we're going to talk, as I said earlier, to uh, Paul Dehaney in a little while, looking at how Tottenham got there and, and previewing the final in depth. But for now, we, we just get to do it again. We get to, you know, scramble onto Sky's kind of trying to find a way there and we're all shitting it about the ticket ballot that's, that's to come next week and all of that sort of thing. But genuinely, these are the best days of our lives that we're living now as Liverpool supporters. It's quite mad, isn't it? Like, I actually can't get over that we're going to a Champions League final again because last year it was just our focus. It was the only thing we were thinking about last year during the football season, whereas we've been extremely lucky as Liverpool fans this year to have two big ones to think about. And the Champions League, whether you like it or not, up until the semi-final, took a back seat, I think, for most people. Not not necessarily doing it down. It's just we were so desperate, so desperate to win this league that Liverpool just sort of plain sailed through the Champions League, just dead casually going, look how boss we are. Yeah, it's all right. You you keep worrying about the league. We, we'll just sort this Champions League whilst you're, you're getting ready for the league. Um, and it's mad. It, it's absolutely mad that this is happening again. And like you've just said... Even the, the sky scanner procedure, I'm, I'm doing it and I'm going, am I really doing this? Am I really looking at how to get to Brussels from, like, to Madrid, uh, from Madrid to Dublin and then a ferry? Well, and <laughs> Kevin Walsh came into the office yesterday and announced that he was going to Madrid via Bratislava. Like, it was the most normal <laughs> thing in the world. Because <laughs> that's what this reduces us to. <laughs> it's absolutely mad. And, and the reason I feel like I'm a bit lost of words just about this whole thing, because it doesn't feel real. And... I, I remember Kev Walsh again um, on the subject of Kev Walsh saying that the Champions League for him wouldn't be a consolation prize, but I tell you what, it definitely is for me. And I think the manner in how we've got to the final, I think we can go into Sunday relaxed and just enjoying the game and whatever happens, happens. And then we get a lovely big day out to Madrid. Sangria, tapas, Muy and bueno. Happy days. Sounds absolutely perfect. That is all the time that we've got for for part one. But as mentioned earlier, John has spoken to Jonathan Liu about the fantastic piece that he wrote for the Independent, looking at everything, everything around the game the other night, the actual football of it, but also the spirituality, the emotion, everything. Uh, so here's John having a talk to Jonathan Liu. And it's John Gibbons here for the weekend on the Anfield Wrap, and I am joined by now by Jonathan Liu, who um, is... Well, most of you will know is, is a football journalist. He writes for The Independent and has been getting quite a lot of attention uh, for his match reports this weekend. Uh, so first of all, Jonathan, welcome. Thank you. And yeah, I was in the BBC Breakfast yesterday morning um, doing a few bits and everyone I spoke to said, have you read Jonathan Liu's match reports? And it was a similar situation <laughs> on, on Twitter. Um, I mean, <laughs> the first thing I suppose I want to ask you is, did you know as soon as you've written it, did you think that that's a really good one that I've, I've, I've been good at my job tonight? Well, there are definitely times when you feel like uh, you know you press send on a piece and you you're kind of you're kind of happy with it. I, I don't think you ever file a piece thinking you've nailed it. That's great. There's always something that, especially when you're on deadline, where you think that you you couldn't you could have done that a little bit better. You could have phrased that a little bit better. I didn't find the right word, or you know, I, also sometimes you miss a goal. It's as simple as that. Uh, so there's, uh, there's, there's, it's a constant kind of battle with your own neuroses. I think uh, this one, I thought, yeah, it's all right, and and it was, it's kind of fortunate that there was kind of one dominant narrative that went through the ninety minutes rather than lots of twists and turns as as there was kind of with the with the Ajax Spurs game. So you get a little bit lucky, I guess, as well. So I mean, when is your deadline? Then when do you when do you, when's the sort of you know. It, you know, last moment you can you can send it through. 
Well, this is a continuing point of contention between me and uh, my desk. Um, <laughs> with an eight o'clock kickoff, uh, when I, well, when I was working, uh, you know, for a newspaper for the for the Telegraph, um, they basically went. I think uh, went off stone at ten fifteen or something like that. Wow. Uh, off stone me- literally means like uh, you know to the printers, mm. and it's got to go, and obviously it's got to be subbed and, and headlined and everything in that time. Uh, these days, uh, so now I work for the website for the independent, it's really just kind of as soon as possible. And if, you know, you need to take an extra five or 10 minutes, then, then take an extra five or 10 minutes. I think I filed on Tuesday night at 10.06 PM, which is actually not bad for me. That's incredible. Honestly, that's incredible. I think, I mean, I, I mean it takes me an hour and a half to write something you know, the next day, which is, <laughs> which is, which is, you know, nowhere near the quality. I think 10, 10 6 is remarkable. Is everyone doing that more or less? Oh yeah. I mean, the, the people that are literally pressing send as soon as the whistle goes, uh, or, you know, doing, doing a final sentence. I've, I've a little bit, I've got a little bit sloppy in that respect. <laughs> uh, not having like a, I, I know that there's not a newspaper that is, that is being, you know, sent to the presses. Um, and and so I don't know that maybe gives you a little bit more leeway to to take an extra five minutes. Um, so um, yeah, there are there are people that you know, there are people that have to file before the end of the game uh, because obviously if you're if you're running a newspaper, you don't want everybody to file at the same time. You need something on on eighty minutes or eighty five minutes. So uh, so yeah, it's it's a real <laughs> it's a bit of a lottery really because you're totally you're totally at the mercy of, of events which is what happened last night obviously the, the, the Lucas Moura goal is, is 90 plus 6 minutes it completely changes you know not just that game but, but kind of like who's going to get into the final and so that's uh, I guess a a nightmare for, for for you guys and, and anyone who's, who's you know who's, who's filed press send and then has to basically rip it up and start <laughs> yeah. again yeah, uh, it's God. I mean, the, the the really interesting thing is, as soon as the goal goes in, which I wasn't expecting, like Laurie's had, had been up and, and you know for a corner and and when when he, he went back for the you know went back to his goal, that's generally and regarded as the end of the game. Uh, but it went on. They scored a goal, and in that moment where everybody is kind of losing themselves, your job is to absolutely kind of purge any kind of emotion or celebration or or whatever out of you and just like get those words out and it's 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 a very weird sensation finishing the piece you know sort of 10 15 minutes later and thinking wow that moment happened and i didn't really feel anything at all and that that does happen quite often in this job uh you know and, and in lots of different kinds of sports as well where you you basically have to you, you basically train yourself to react to the mo- to a moment in exactly the opposite way to the one everyone else is mm. So, I mean, because you you've got these deadlines then, and and because you, you know you have to do things so quickly, I guess the the skill in a match report is not just writing a chronological list of things that happened. And I think that's you know that's all most of us won't be able to do. I think in that situation, you say, well, this person did this, then this person did that, and so it's, it's trying to guess the skill is. And, and I think what everyone enjoyed so much about your piece is it's not just you know telling people what happened in a game, but we. The, let's face it we all watched it's mm. it's finding the story and finding the kind of narrative and, and getting it across you know in terms of you know looking for a, a bigger kind of picture really is is that would you say that's fair yeah i think i think definitely you know the old way that the match reports are written for the wires or for newspapers was very much sort of this happened this happened this happened uh i think in an age where most people who who've want to see the match will have some way of, of having seen the match uh, and certainly kind of seeing clips or goals of, 
uh, the job of the, the match reporter is to is actually very it's it's very different. It is to to tell a story. Uh, it's to kind of draw a narrative, find a find a thread, and you know if you don't know which defender the ball deflected off past you know the keeper for the third goal i don't think your readers are going to pull you up on that what you know what what you you do want to to, to give is you know the a broad feeling of what it was like to be there uh you know a, a theme of the game it doesn't it doesn't have to be exhaustive and i think that's been uh, quite liberating and people talk about like the death of the match report and uh, you know the everybody's seen the game so why do people need to read about it i think the job of a writer in those situations is to process in something that people may already have seen in a way that they may not necessarily have seen it if that makes any sense yeah no definitely um i mean obviously you're you're sort of in a slightly different position than, than someone like say uh si hughes who's who's Who's, who's, who's primarily a football writer, very much about Liverpool. You're actually sort of chief sports writer at the at the Independence, and so you're writing about kind of other sports as well. I'm wondering how much you enjoy kind of this aspect of the job, or whether it's something that you know you think, well, if if I had my choice, actually, I'd be I'd be doing things that would you know allow me much more than 15 minutes to write. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think I counted it up one time. I think I've covered about 36 different sports in my time, including a lot of the silly Olympic ones, and you you do quickly realise that there's you can't really be an expert in anything. Uh, I mean, I went to like the winter before last, I went out to, to Australia to cover the ashes cricket and, you know, missing pretty much missing two months of premier league football, you know, missing two months of football. You, you may as well just like have to go back to the beginning and start again. It's like, you don't know who's good anymore. You don't know like who's in form. Uh, it, it take, it's such an exhaustive treadmill of, of news and, and opinions and narratives and games and, that uh, you, know, you can't really take yourself out of it for for very long, uh, and I, I I do enjoy that aspect of it. I, I do like enjoy not having you know if there's not a decent game at, at three p.m. on a Saturday, you know I can you know, conceivably go and do something else instead. I do really enjoy that part of it, uh, but it does you know when it, when it comes to you know the part of the season where you know, things are being won and lost and, and trophies and medals are being given out. You really do need to have, you, know, you do really need to be on top of it in a way that the guys who, you know, like Sai, who regularly covered a club, are, are just kind of instinctively like that. Mm. You, you kind of have to, to get yourself up to speed a little bit. So, I mean, now you, you talk about sort of taking the emotion out of it and having to do that. I mean, you know, today you're, you, you, you've just told me you've just kind of flown back from, from Amsterdam, a little bit sort of tired, but also able to reflect on kind of what you've seen over the last couple of nights. Can you remember many weeks sort of in the Champions League like it where, you know, everything we were expecting has just been thrown out the window? Not really. I mean, certainly not in recent history. I mean, the... the uh... You know, the, the Liverpool Roma semi final, which which I, I didn't do last season, was kind of yeah that was that was crazy enough. But it was I think it was kind of bookended by this very sterile Bayern Munich Real Madrid semi final, which I think they played like four or five times in in the previous five or six seasons. So in terms of you know the the chaos of this week, I mean I, I've I've been having to go back through my calendar and think like honestly was that only a week ago like you know like Vincent Company's goal <laughs> for, for City it literally feels like last month and you know the the, the span between that City Leicester game and the last day of the Premier League season is is six days it's, yeah. it's crazy um 
I don't really, I can't really remember the point I was trying to make, to be honest. But <laughs> it, it, I don't, I don't know what what day it is. I don't know what I have for breakfast. I, I, I just, uh, yeah, that's what football does to you, right? Yeah, well, indeed, indeed. And then uh, here we are, sort of going into the, the, the last last weekend of the season. Uh, what are you covering this weekend? Where are you going to be? I'll be at Anfield. Oh, um, good. It's it's one for the you know it's one for the the it's one for the gambler. I think you try as as a journalist, you always try and position yourself where the story is. And you know, fair enough. You go to Brighton. It's like an hour on the train from London, where I live. And uh, you know, you may you may probably will end up yeah you know, seeing the, the Premier League champions getting crowned. But if if you don't, if if it, if it is Liverpool, God, you want to be there. You can't. You can't be, you know, and, and I'm I'm, an, I'm a neutral in this, but you don't want to be sitting in a like a press room at the Amex Stadium, watching Liverpool getting crowned Premier League champions and thinking I could have been there. Mm. It's one of those. So you'll be there on Sunday, um, so to get there an hour before, you'll see all these journalists. You, you've been lauded to the heavens this week. Is, is the back slaps, is there a bit of ribbing, or, or do you all just ignore each other because you're all essentially massive nerds? <laughs> well, there is a bit of that as well. I mean, no, it's been extremely pleasant. It's very stressful because you have to, you know, you have to go through. And I know this sounds a little bit like a first world problem, you know, going for a room and, and uh, you know, getting stops and, and, you know, having to have like 15 different conversations with people is, is you know, it's quite, it takes a lot out of you. Um, there was, there's one guy from, like, I, 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 I won't say who, from, from the mirror who, who is taken to when I sort of turn up in a, in a press room and he's there, he sort of, he's a, uh, he kind of starts crawling under a table, uh, and the, the the joke being that, oh, here's Jonathan Liu here to write me under the table again. Ah, okay. And I don't you know. It was funny the first time. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, it was. I laughed, I laughed the first. I laughed the first two or three times actually. Uh, and uh, I think it's about it's about two. You've been doing it for about two years now, and uh, you know it's beginning to wear a bit thin. But you know, uh, it, it is it is lovely. Uh, you know, I, I don't really. I don't really do this for attention. Uh, I know this it's weird to hear a journalist say that, but I, I, I don't. Um, so it's all been very pleasant and slightly overwhelming. And um, yeah. Okay, very last question. You're one of the only people who's seen both Liverpool and Tottenham live this week. So, I mean, what are you expecting for the final? I won't ask you necessarily who you think will win, but sort of what sort of game are you expecting and how tough do you think it'll be for, for Liverpool? I... I was talking about this with some colleagues last night. I can't, I'm struggling to see a route for Tottenham to win that game. You, you look at the, the matchups, you think about Mane up against Kieran Trippier. You think about that midfield up against, like, probably Moussa Sissoko on his own. <laughs> uh, and I, and you think about the speed and and the force with which Liverpool play and compare it to a lot of Spurs' play, which, which at times is quite ponderous. I mean, they, they can break with speed and they can, they can break with precision, but a lot of the time it's a more measured approach. And I kind of thought myself into thinking this could be like, like Liverpool could win this five or six. And I know that's really silly, I mean, but it, it could be one of, it could be one of those where we've seen so many extraordinary feats, uh, in, and, and in this competition, that that would kind of complete the set. The only caveat I would add is that I, I couldn't see a way for Tottenham to get through that second leg against Ajax either. Mm. There's something in that team which is really 
strange and weird and unfathomable. And that's what Liverpool have to be wary of, I think. Jonathan Lee Hoos, thanks for uh, joining us. Um, obviously, you can, you've all read it by now, but you can check it out. Uh, the articles are all on the Independence Online, or he's at Jonathan Lou on Twitter. But yeah, thanks a lot to Jonathan. And um, not sure what quite what we're going back to yet, but I'm sure it's great. It's the Reds Bet Insert, and it's John Gibbons, and I'm here with Lizzie Doyle to go through your Reds Bet specials for this weekend. Uh, before we do, I just want to thank Reds Bet. Obviously, they partnered us all season this year. We're delighted they have done so. It's the last game of the season. So, last chance to do these little specials, but I'm sure they'll do some transfer stuff over the summer as well. So, thanks a lot to Reds Bet. Um, if you don't bet with Reds Bet yet and you do like a flutter, we would recommend them because, well, they're doing a, go- a good site, but also the fact that they give uh, 50% of their uh, profits so your losses to fan-related causes and Reds bet especially for Liverpool so it's Liverpool-related fans bet causes uh, if you don't gamble then that's fine um, but if you do already gamble we'd encourage you to have a little look at Reds bet but also always gamble aware and you can go to gambleaware.org for more information on that uh, but I've got Lizzie Doyle with me and we're going to go through a few of the Reds bet specials for this weekend Lizzie so I want you to rate them out of Lizzie's out of five okay um so I mean, the top one is the uh, the headline at Liverpool to win the Premier League, uh, seven to one. They're going uh, for sure. Said he's be sure. Said <laughs> it's clearly going to happen. So, uh, so it's, it's all right, seven to one. You know, it's not bad. I, I'm surprised. Yeah, you're looking at Brighton, Brighton getting a, a draw mm. at home, um, and Liverpool winning. That's not the wildest. That's not the wildest thing to happen. So sevens is all right. Dare I say so? If you stick a tenner on it. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think I it's think bad it's at right. all. I don't think it's bad at all. <clears throat> I like this one just because everyone's got a mate who always does like a mad bet. Like I'll just bet on a score or something. Whereas some of my mates always do these wild bets that I could ever get my head around them. Really, like whether they, but in Liverpool to win over twelve corners and four to six cards, ten to one. Wow. Do, um, <laughs> do you know what I? Do you know what I love about those type of bets though? Yeah. Is that the. The, the, when you actually do decide to put one on, it most probably will come in just on, by an absolute <laughs> flu. Four to six cards. I just can't imagine, though. I'm going to be stressed enough on Sunday. The idea that I'm then counting corners as well. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's like on your fancy football when you're like trying to do assists and, yeah, and count yeah. the key passes and stuff like that. It's, um, it's quite far out, but you know what? If you stick a quiz on it. It's not too bad, I mean, is ten, to, 10 to 1 is decent odds, but yeah, I've got no idea how many corners are in a game now. Now I'm looking at it. Um, is there anything in particular you fancy to happen on, on, on Sunday related to our game? And I'll have a little look to see if, uh, see if, Ooh, see if anything's there. So I think um, I think a really decent bet, but I, I think the odds might be quite short as Liverpool to win both teams to score. Okay. Oh, yeah, they've got that. That's 21 to 10. So two to one, basically. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I can see Wolves scoring, you see. Right. What about... Um, what about Wolves' first goal? Oh, I haven't quite got that that one there, but that might be in there. Um, you could, you oh, can that, just that, see that it. That just makes me nervy. No, but it, it makes me nervous <laughs> as a fan. But I mean, Wolves are Wolves are boss. Yeah. And I'm just thinking of remember Burnley with that mad corner. Yeah. And they they went up, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But then we came through. Yeah, but I still think Liverpool would win if Wolves score first. But the Newcastle score first as well. 13-14, last game of the season. Newcastle score first. We went on to win. Who knows? Uh, a few nicer ones here. Liverpool to win four 0 Obviously, repeat of the Barcelona game uh, is sixteen to one, which isn't bad at all. Uh, if you fancy Salah to come back in and start, uh, he's. Uh, Salah to score first and Liverpool to win is 5-1 to one. and then uh, I'll just see if there's one or two others uh, Liverpool to win to nil if you fancy that 13-10 to 10. but so uh, all those picks we always like them oh he's got oh, it go he's got Brighton 1 Man City 1 
<laughs> and uh, Red's better off than 20 to 1 on that. Go ahead, so, uh, so, so all, the, all those having a go. He also fancies Liverpool as well, as you can imagine, with over 2.5 goals. So he's fancying it. So as I say, loads of uh, Red's best specials on there. Or if there's nothing you fancy and you just want your own outright bet, obviously they can do all that as well. And they're doing bets on uh, well, all the weekend's action. So if you go to redsbet.com, you can see all those. Uh, thanks again for them to partner us this year. Thanks to Lizzie for joining us. And then back to the main show. Joined now by Paul Dehaney uh, on the weekend to talk about the Tottenham result, the fact that it spares against Liverpool in the European Cup final. Paul, a second night of, of incredible football. I've never seen a few days like it, quite frankly. I'm literally still in the days. I've, n- I've not felt like this ever in my lifetime. Like, I actually, I'm, I'm not ashamed to admit, tears mm-hmm. did, did start to flow yesterday. <laughs> um, and my son like, was looking at me. He said, made up for me, but you can see he's sort of looking at me thinking, is he, is he quiet? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, you know, trying to, to divert his attention. To, and I said, go upstairs and get me this or something like that. He went upstairs and told my missus and she was, uh, she said, he didn't even cry when you two were born. <laughs> so that shows the gravitas of uh, and I was like you know my excuse is I've known Spurs longer than you lot and I've probably spent more money on Spurs than, than a I couple of excellent lot, points so, so yeah it was it's just been an awesome sort of how many hours it is I, I think I don't think I've slept much either it's without doubt the, the biggest night in Tottenham's history isn't it yeah I think that it, definitely in my lifetime I'm, I'm 50 years old and in my lifetime I've not experienced anything um to the gravitas I've used that word twice that's how big it is um, of last night it, it's just I'm speechless well, was there a point in the game where you started to think it was going to happen definitely after we scored the quick two goals mm-hmm. in fact after we first scored the first goal I thought we're going to have a go here and I thought if we get another one which we did quickly I thought it was on um, but it was always tempered with the fact and as that transpired we were pushing so many forward and Pochettino made some unbelievably brave substitutions, mm-hmm. but it is definitely, you know, do or die situation and we could have easily got caught on the counter and they could have killed the tie a couple of times. Um, but having said that, I thought that in the first half, we had some chances where we could have actually went and two, you know, when we went 2-0 down, I actually didn't think it was a 2-0 game. Ajax managed the game really well at first and I thought, okay, this isn't how I thought it would transpire because I just thought the away goal thing would come into a, you know, the, the psyche of do we stick or twist? But they went for it, got in front. And their mistake was it's just the away goal thing. As soon as we score, their whole mentality just changed and you saw mistakes starting to happen mm-hmm. from good players who were doing really good stuff before. It's just the pressure of the situation got to them and um, and we were completely the opposite. It was almost like, we're going for this. And, and, and you know, you saw it unfolded. It struck me that there was a sort of similar moment in, in your tie last night to, to Liverpool's in the, um, you know, Liverpool's could be very different if in the first leg, Usman Dembele just finishes the chance when Barcelona are on the break and there's almost four of them queuing up to score and he manages to scuff a shot to the goalkeeper. Um, the uh, shot from Zayek last night, which hits to the post and could kill the game. And then just suddenly that happens and you think, maybe this is going to be it for Tottenham for me it was actually in the first leg when I don't know if it's the same player hit the post Um, it would have made it Mm 2-0 to Ajax and I literally got a tingle in my head like these crazy feelings that I get that that was a game changing moment because that would have been two away goals and you know I don't think we would have come back from that Um, but the fact that didn't go in and it was only 1-0 we weren't great as everybody knows in the first sort of half 
of that first game. But I thought we, we, we battled well in the second half and, and got, got used to them once we changed our shape. And this time, I knew it was going to be a different story. I knew it was going to be a tale of two away teams and it was just about who done the most damage in mm-hmm. the away games. We've got to talk about Pochettino. You mentioned him there. Um, you would have to have a heart of stone um, to not feel so emotional when just everything, everything was seeping out of the man on the pitch and in the the, the interview and press conference afterwards. Yeah, it just shows how much, and, I, and it goes for Klopp as well. I think you couldn't have two more popular managers and, you know, unfortunately, one of them's got to lose. But the good thing is, on a positive note, one of them's going to win and, and, and finally shut up those, those people that keep calling them you know, failures. You know, what he's done for us this season, it, it's just unbelievable. He's not spent a penny he's in the Champions League final. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's unbelievable. Mm-hmm. And, and it just goes to show, doesn't it? You know, it, yes, you spent a lot of money on Van Dyke and, and Allison, but no more than what they Man United spent on Pogba and Lukaku. Mm-hmm. And at the time, if you gave people the choice of the two players, you, know, you can have him and him and him and him. Most people are going for Pogba and Lukaku. And no one's going to take either of them now over the, over the two you bought. So it's, you can spend all the money in the world, but if you don't spend it wisely or you don't manage your players properly, then then you're not, you're not worth your salt. And I think Pochettino is, you know, Nobody can say anything about him now, whatever he does, you know. I think that um, he, those tears last night just sent me. That's Every time I think about it, can you not talk about it? Because I'll start running <laughs> up again. But it's been some journey across the tournament as a whole. Um, was it one point after the first three we've group stage like, games? We've been dead three or four <laughs> times. So one point after three games. And then we needed to get a result at Barcelona. You know, Lucas Moura scored. Mm-hmm. Um Got us that. And then actually we played really well in the two games against Dortmund and, and, and beat them 3-0 and 1-0 and thoroughly deserved um, that. And then obviously you've got, we're out against Man City, Sterling scored, we're literally out. And then we're not. Um, and then last night, I was expecting, you know, when I was cheering for the, the winning goal, I was... I had a, I, thought, I saw them walking back and I thought, oh, no, VAR. <laughs> like and I was like, your the irony <laughs> of it, like that, that, that would happen to us. But thankfully, I was looking back at the replay and I was going, no, no, no. And then, yes, you know, because it was fine. It is an all-English final. It is Spurs in Liverpool. Have you been able to, to process what happened last night enough to think about it and, and how you're feeling about the prospect? So I watched it with my son, as I said, and he's a big red and I almost like, it was almost like we've supported each other over the last two mm-hmm. days, and, you know, mentally as well, you know, because he, the, cheer that, the, 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 the cheer that I heard him come out with when you scored the third goal, there wasn't much of a cheer on the fourth goal because he was in shock, but the third goal, he went, it, it was a sound that I'd never heard before. And it was the same sound that he heard from me last night when we scored the winner. Um, so you all know that most of my best friends are Liverpool fans. And then obviously all my London friends are Tottenham fans and I'm a Tottenham fan. So it's almost like, it's the, it is the De Haney derby. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I can't lose and I can't win. It's it's one of them weird situations where if we win, then like we've won. But a lot of my friends are going to be unhappy as well. And if we lose, oh, it's just horrible to think about. <laughs> Let's just enjoy the moment. Mm-hmm. But one thing that does concern me, on in a serious note, is that gap between the end of the season and and the final and how we deal with that. You know, you had a final last year, and there might be things that clock might have done differently, mm-hmm. you know, 
uh, on the back of what happened last season, which you might have a bit of one-upmanship on us. And I know it's small detail, but I think in a game which really, I think, I don't know if you lot agree with me, you probably won't, but I think it is actually 50-50 just because it's a final. And, you know, whether you were playing us or Atletico Madrid, it's a 50-50 because at that level... And because we know each other as well, I think that that kind of gives each of us a, an advantage and a disadvantage. So it's too early for me to process at the moment in terms of who's going to win. But I'm, I'm, I'm just so happy for Tottenham. I'm happy for the City. I couldn't be a happier man. Brilliant. Re- really lovely notes to end that segment on. Thanks very much to Paul for joining me for that. We're now going to cross to John Gibbons, who is having a chat about the 100th edition of Bidolito magazine. It's John Gibbons for the Anfield Wrap. It is the Harry's insert. Uh, hopefully that you've come to know and love. Uh, Harry's have partnered us for a while and we appreciate it. We appreciate their support. And so, and yeah, we appreciate the razors because they are really good. Uh, they sent me and Neil and a few others uh, Harry's razors through and I'm still using it. It's still really good. Uh, the gel they sent through is really good as well. And yeah, it's a really nice shaving experience. Uh, their story, if you're interested, is for decades, one big razor company has relentlessly increased prices and reaped immense profits at the expense of their customers. So Jeff and Andy, two ordinary guys who were fed up of getting ripped off air started. Harry's to kind of fix that really. So by taking less profits and selling directly to you over the internet, they can offer their blades half the price so they're getting rid of wholesale they're getting rid of their retail and they're selling directly to you um so what you get if you go with harry's is uh i'm going to read this exactly uh harry's razors include everything you need for a close comfortable shave weighted ergonomic handle five precision engineered blades with a lubricating strip and strip sorry and trimmer blade rich lathering shave gel and a travel blade cover which i lost almost immediately which is a shame because we were doing a lot of traveling recently haven't we i mean um, isn't that brilliant more of it to come so so if you want to get started, you can have a trial set for three ninety five. So that's a trial set for three ninety five delivered straight to you by going harrys.com forward slash Anfield. It says here right now, but you know, you could do it tomorrow or, or whatever, you know, I'm sure you're busy. <laughs> I'm not going to stick you to that, but it is a trial set. It's only three ninety five, And then if you want to cancel after that, you can do, or if you want to keep going and keep receiving the raises in the post like we do, and we're very grateful too, uh, then you can stick with it as well. We're confident that you'll like them and we wouldn't have stuck with them for so long if we didn't believe that the product's really good so um, thanks a lot to Harry's for supporting us as I say if you want to support us further and, and help kind of you know Harry's and, and also yeah get a great razor through the post then you go to harrys.com forward slash Anfield and yeah thanks a lot for Harry's for supporting us this year and now it is John Gibbons for the weekend and I'm delighted to be joined by Chris Torpy from Bido Alito who's here to help well part of the celebration of the 100th issue so first of all Chris congratulations thank you very much no, it's great to be here thanks uh, yeah th- thanks for, for letting me get involved yeah 100 issues a bit weird I mean it's 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 an amazing achievement to, to do sort of anything for that long really I mean it's it's something presumably you started with the idea of, of, of kind of see how we get on rather than this grand we're going to be here sort of 8-9 years later uh, with 100 issues uh, under our belts very much so very much I, I still distinctly remember the first issue coming out and holding it and being a little bit how long is this going to last for uh, especially in the world of like print and journalism nowadays it is it's not really the t- typical media that uh, that people go towards and there are a lot of things about like the death of print media and journalism so it has been a bit of a uh, a struggle at times but I think 
at the end of the day, a lot of enthusiasm from people who are involved in music and creativity in Liverpool is what's kept it going, kept us going really as well. Um, so yeah, it's kept, this is a nice chance when we get to 100 issues to, to celebrate that, celebrate not just you know the fact that hey we're still here um, and pat ourselves on the back, but also celebrate the fact that there's just so much to write about. That's that's the most important thing. Yeah, I think. Part of the reason I think it's been so successful is the people involved and a new openness. And I think there can be kind of a stereotype of people in, in music magazines who just kind of want to slag everything off. And yeah. for, for you guys, I've always found when I've been involved, is it, whether it's bands I play with or manage or or, or, or nights are promoted, that, that you guys are really open to, to seeing what's about there. And you're not going to say anything's brilliant because why would you? But but there's a general, okay, an intrigue to kind of what's going on. Yeah, absolutely. You've got to be uh, open-minded and you've also got to be accepting of a lot of people. And also you've got to be honest, you know what I mean? If something is a bit rubbish, then you know, you've got to say that because no, nobody gains anything out of that. Um, but we like to think that there's, there's, that there's no real need to be kind of sticking the knife in for unnecessarily because there's loads of people doing really good stuff. And if there wasn't, if there wasn't like so much brilliant music and art and events going on, then maybe we would end up having to do more of that kind of like overtly being critical but there's no need for it because there's so much good stuff to write so um, overwhelmingly there's a lot of positive stuff that's going on around music in this city as you would imagine um, we, the fascinating thing that when we started nine years ago was that it wasn't a dedicated magazine for that there were other publications I think get into this would start and it was but it was more a blog side yeah. at that time and it was very much digital but for, for a city with you know, music at its very core, um, obviously alongside football as well, one of the, <laughs> the twin beating hearts of the city. Um, it, it was strange. We found it a bit odd at the time. Um, uh, Craig, who, I, uh, who started the magazine or I work with on it, um, he'd just come from Leeds where there were multiple publications around music and events and they just didn't exist in Liverpool in 2010. Um, so, you know, into that gap came Bido Lito and... Um, yeah, here we are, we're still here, uh, still kind of banging the drum. And the good thing is that there's no sign of us having to run out of material for us to be talking about and being positive about. Because it's great to be, be be wax lyrical about some of the amazing musicians who not everyone necessarily gets to know. So um, I, I, we've said it before in the past and we, we stick by it that when there becomes, when there's not enough good material, good artists, good music for us to write about, that's when we shut up shop. Other than them, we're going to do everything we can to make sure BWTO is is around exact, exactly to platform all this great music. I mean, whether people who are residents of the city or just visitors, they'll have seen Bido Lito about in, in, in kind of, you know, bars and clubs and yeah. things like that. It's becoming almost kind of a, a, a kind of a staple in, the, in these venues. But it's much more than that now, isn't it, Bido Lito? And I know you're involved in, you know, you put nights on, you're involved in events, you're involved in developing musicians. We both work together on the sound station exactly, stuff. Yeah. And, and you must be proud that how you've managed to kind of become people who now who people turn to in the city when they want kind of a bit of a help with you know kind of music and things going on oh massively yeah really really proud i think that shows how how well established and how well respected our platform is which is amazing it's like that is what we we hoped it would become uh, i suppose kind of as a pipe dream and to see it kind of like living out and, and having all these different things that we can do as part of it it's it, it's amazing like the uh, as you said the the regular events that we do that that's part of our background we um craig and i worked on a number of 
gigs and events when we were uh, prior to Bido Lito ever being a, an idea. Um, we put a gig on the Mersey Ferry. We put a gig on in a fort in New Brighton. Uh, we'd done some pretty weird stuff to get to this point. <laughs> so a magazine was kind of a, quite a, a normal venture for us, really. Um, so like that idea of us doing regular shows was always a thing we wanted to do. So now we do these monthly events when the mag comes out and they're often with the artists that are on the front cover. And they're just really, really... For us, that's that's what it's all about. It's like the live music thing is just exactly the heart of uh, and the essence of everything. So the fact that we can k- kind of get some of these musicians we're writing about and say, here they are, they're really good, come and see them. Um, that's that, that's the kind of the main driver for that. Um, and yeah, the the, the the other things we've done, the other projects that have worked into uh, the whole Bido Lito world, I suppose, um, they've just been really rewarding to work with. Like the, the Mesirel Sound Station development programme that we do currently has been running as it is for about 12 months. Um, that's a different relationship we have with artists. Mm. Um, and for once, we can kind of like work with them and speak with them and maybe kind of open some doors for them, introduce them to people who might be able to give them some help in terms of their songwriting, their music, but also just in terms of the wider industry, give them a bit more of a kind of a wider view of how it works, ideas of best practice, and maybe steer them away from, like, pitfalls that musicians often fall into that you over a period of nine eight years you get to see that you get to see yeah. the, the same kind of patterns coming up so uh, it's rewarding in a completely different way that kind of thing uh, so yeah I, I'd never thought that you know, doing this you know writing some words about some bands that we liked and putting it all together in a magazine and giving it away for free would end up um, culminating in the kind of work that we're doing now but it's absolutely brilliant and I hope it kind of carries on and who knows what else will crop up. But the, the, the key to it all is, is, is Bido Lito as a magazine, being a kind of a platform for the artist, being a resource for people. Hopefully people pick it up with a bit of curiosity. They don't necessarily know who the person on the front cover of the magazine is or who the other people are inside, but hopefully it's, it, kind of, it opens a few doors for people to kind of go and explore some of the amazing musicians who are in their midst or walking amongst them around the, uh, around the shops or in the bars alongside them, so, uh, as well as all the events. I mean, especially this time of year as well, from the event side of it, it's just so hard to keep track of everything. Yeah. So I think more and more as we go along, I'm just realising that... Bido just as a platform and a resource needs to be there to, so that everyone knows what's going on because I struggle to work it out, to be honest with you. <laughs> well, especially weekends like last one where you got two festivals going Exactly, on. Sound City and Smithdown Road Festival and lots of other events on. And the month before that, you had the, the Six Music Festival came in and there were so many other fringe events around yeah. that. And this this is kind of like mad season for events as well. Like It really uh, ramps up around this time. Um, throw into that we're going to start doing our own series of events in that as well which is a bit um, perhaps a bit of folly but uh, yeah that's uh, that's how it goes and it's what the city's all about is a kind of very much a can-do attitude it's so many people do something they, they get up out of their seats and they say I want to do this and there's maybe maybe there's a, a certain genre is lacking in terms of yeah. promotions and they just get up and say right well I'm going to do it myself because they realise there are lots of artists that maybe don't have the spaces and the and, and the coverage so they get up and do it and that's why um there's a kind of like a real sense of possibility about the place that i just love and you see it through all the artists and like kind of like wider not just music like visual artists and lots of other djs and events that go on it's people think let's just do it how do you think the music 
seen has changed since you started? Have you seen any any kind of differences? Obviously, I mean, look, bands come and go and venues come and go, mm, don't yeah. they? But is there any kind of noticeable differences, do you think, since uh, sort of 2010? Uh, I suppose the, the biggest difference is, is just personally, I'm more aware of the diversity of music on offer, whereas yeah. perhaps when I first started, I wasn't. Um, I wasn't aware of the kind of the, the grime and the trap world that now I, I'm following really excitedly because there's so many musicians that um, they're just doing some incredible things. Um, so from that point of view, I don't know whether there was always a great diversity there that maybe just wasn't being platformed or that it wasn't that visible. It was only visible to the kind of the niches. Yeah. Um, so I think in general as an overall thing, what would definitely I would agree with is that there's more of a holistic overall um, scene. Horrible word. I remember in 2010, <laughs> we used to, I used to refrain from using the word scene but I think it's the scene as it is now is a, a collaborative kind of community across genre people help each other out and play yeah. each other's bands and put gigs on for each other and it's not restricted to genres or, or, or cliques at least that's the way I see it I think a lot of musicians will have their own opinion on that as well um, but from like a uh, across the board I don't think that idea of like what is Liverpool music what is a kind of um, a scouse scene a scouse music sound it doesn't exist anymore whereas perhaps it did certainly off the kind of the bandwagon years and the yeah. coral up into kind of say around by like the company store at the Zanzibar um, maybe that was a prevailing thing because like the Sam Band on our first front cover they were in the enemy and I think that was a definitely a sound that people thought existed um, I don't think that's a, that, that is really a thing nowadays I think yeah, Liverpool's a city that attracts people from outside certainly it's got great music institutions that attract people from all over Europe and North America and that's fed into what kind of music it produces so there's no kind of prevailing sound or genre I think um, but maybe that's because my eyes and ears have been opened I don't know yeah it's an interesting one isn't it okay so what have you got coming up then you've got some celebrations for the over the 100 issue so if you want to kind of run through what you've got planned in the yeah city. so yeah I, I apologize if you've uh, if I go for run through all this pretty quickly or, or, or over laboriously but um yeah 100th issue is out on the 23rd of May Thursday the 23rd um it's gonna be the usual kind of beatolito but with some extra flourishes um it's always it's always going to be a free magazine because that's what it is and we thought we'd mark the occasion by um by looking forward to the future by looking at kind of like the the possibilities and the challenges that are going to be facing us across like music and like creativity and art especially in terms of like where technology is coming into like artificial intelligence and machine learning is a big thing at the moment and a lot of people are worried about that but also some people see it as a kind of a hopeful thing and as a potential tool that we can use as like as, as creative people and humans to do very interesting things so we're going to look at those kind of things specifically where they relate to music and art uh, but also like how this city might change over um another nine years time so very much thinking about the span that it took us to reach 100 issues is nine years. So thinking about another nine years when we do another 100 issues, what's the city going to look like? What are, What's the infrastructure going to be like around music and how can we actually make it better for musicians, for artists? What's the the state of, say, the city in general? Like how does... Um, how does, like, creativity in general interact with the city? Like, do we become a city that is just... Um, hosting events, putting, bringing the giants in and saying, oh, it's a good spectacle, come and see this. Or are we going to work with and create opportunities for local artists to kind of come and realise their own ideas? How can we do that now? What can we do? Can we set up 
groups? Can we lobby? Can we use technology to do that in interesting ways? So that's very much the theme of what we're doing as a magazine. So we're doing that through lots of editorial, but um, it's going to feed into a couple of events. So on light night, oh yeah, on 17th of May, that's kind of like just before the magazine comes out, we're going to launch our first event for it. So the theme for light night this year is ritual. So we're doing an event called Ritual 2.0 in uh, in Moorfield Station down in the like in the tunnel basement in like the the subterranean area, and we're going to do like an interactive walk through installation. So it's going to be. Um, like light and sound so a musician called Forest Swords is doing the audio soundtrack for it uh, an, artist, an artist called Sam Wheel is doing the, the visual side of it and we're going to play on the idea of like artificial intelligence and qu- ask leading questions to people who walk through the space about what their hopes are what their fears are for the future based on AI uh, so that's going to run throughout uh, Light Night on 17th of May then we're going to do a, a, a month long laboratory around music like it's made using artificial intelligence so we're going to set up uh, that's going to launch on the 29th of May run for a whole month based uh, a new space opened up in the Bolton Triangle called Seven Store which is kind of like a cross retail outlet and an art space and studio um, so that's going to be like a setup where you can come in and basically a, series of t- a group of technicians and musicians will guide you through the process of making a piece of music using artificial intelligence software based on any parameters you want so what key you want how long do you want it to be how where do you want the drop to be um what kind of like refrains because that software exists and there's a lot of uh, questioning now whether certain artists on spotify who accrue, who accrue huge amounts of streams are actually even real in the first place right because you know there's like these chill out playlists and yeah. things like that that get huge a lot of the artists on there, some people did some research and looked into them. Um, they don't even have any other footprints outside of being on Spotify. They don't have a, a Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. They don't have a website. Um, do Are they even really people or has, have they set a machine up to create some music just so that Spotify don't have to pay any humans uh, royalty fees? So there's like real questions about what's the future of that. I mean, yeah. like, are humans going to be pushed out or is it a creative tool? Um, so we're going to be doing that, and I'm going to do a big gig on the 22nd of June. So all our favourite artists are going to come and play on Constellations. Brilliant. We've got Clinic headlining, Stealing Sheep are doing a big DJ set. Uh, Mysterines, who are brilliant, are yeah. going to be playing. Sam Volo, I saw in the Jinx. MC Nelson's just been over in Rotterdam doing a, a residency, so he's going to come and produce a piece, new piece of music, a commission for that. That's going to be amazing. And then we've got a big discussion event around all these themes on the Friday the 7th at the Blue Coast. Um, so we're going to talk about politics. We've got Alison McGovern coming in to talk around about politics. Great. We've got someone from the Guardian's community media team to come in and talk about the future of like journalism and media. Um, a few other people, like an artist, are going to be involved. And then we've also got a, a thing that we're launching for the first time called the Roger Eagle Memorial Lecture. Um, Roger Eagle formed... Open Derek's. He, he ran the Twisted Wheel in Manchester. Um, he, he's kind of like spirit of like, let's do this. Let's kind of let's create a world that we want to do. Is kind of like fed through a lot of artistic endeavour. We think so. His, his kind of spirit is lived on, and we've invited Bill Drummond from the KLF Justified Instance of Mumu to give the first lecture um, that kind of like will cement some ideas around what that will be and, and Roger Eagle's um, heritage really uh, and then every year we'll invite a, sp- a specific guest speaker to come back and give um, give a lecture based on those themes so there's quite a lot in a month 
Um, but I have to produce another magazine in that period as well, so <laughs> I'm not entirely sure how we're going to do it. But um, hopefully, people will find something in there that intrigues them, and they'll come along, and um, they might want to ask some more questions about it, or they might just want to kind of see what we've thought about it, or just engage with us in general. That's what we love: people responding to us, sending us tweets, sending us emails, saying they like what we're doing or they don't like what we're doing, that's fine. I'd much prefer people to react yeah. in some way rather than not at all. But if you want to react in some way, you can go to bdolito.co.uk and everything kind of jumps off from there. Uh, but congratulations again. Thank you. First 100 uh, episodes, episodes, sorry, I was in the podcast world there. 100 <laughs> editions is great going on. As I say, here's to 100 more. But in the meantime, yeah, yeah thanks to Chris. Not sure where we're going next, but I'm sure it'll be brilliant. Thanks very much to Chris and to John for that chat there. And Alison, We've still got a league title to try and win this weekend. Um, it's almost taking you by surprise at this stage because we're still riding the wave of, of Tuesday night. But, um, I mean, if Tuesday was possible, why not Sunday as well? Well, okay, so this is... I got a bit of stick on Twitter because last no. time... Yeah. <laughs> go I mean, this should go anyway. A woman talking about football, what could be wrong with that? Anyway, um, because... Uh, we we you know did this thing and everybody was saying yeah we can still win the league and I said that I didn't think that we were going to because like rationally speaking like you've got to expect City to win but when the first goal went in like and the other night and it it sort of unlocked that kind of like bit of my brain that was just like hang on a minute maybe like this is football and rationality just goes out the window and maybe we should just all tear up our expectations and at this point I just feel like I'm along for the ride and whatever happens happens like you never know right I mean Brighton like they're not a great side but you never know they've got like obviously nothing nothing to lose at all so who knows I think we all just we all just want to see our team do really well and kind of I think Sunday should just be a massive celebration and and hopefully like we get some great goals that we can all enjoy and just go into it that with with that mentality of like like this is a re- this is this has been an amazing record breaking season this is really fun and we've still got a big party to come. John uh, Ali says that Brighton are a great team. Uh, they're not. I, th- I think I'm right in saying that they've got uh, the least amount of points of any team in 2019 aside from Huddersfield. Uh, Manchester City could probably barely pick a better pick fixture but I've been doing the thing in the last few days that I've been doing for every Man City game lately and in my head going through what the Brighton lineup is likely to be and going these are all good you know these are like, I mean Murray must be on about 12 in the league and um, you know, Solly March has had a good season hasn't he Dale Stevens, he's alright and I'm basically going from 1 to 11 and, and talking myself into the fact that they've got a shot do you maintain any hope that you know Liverpool can't affect that game down there but do you maintain hope that Brighton can do something yeah I do yeah I mean we found it tough down there we obviously got the win but it was a hotly disputed penalty and I'm generally I mean we went great but there's always an element of if you're not great that the opposition have to something to do that I think they are quite tricky to to play against I think they'll you know what what should kind of you know buoy everyone really is is the fact that you know none of these games have been easy fit for anyone really you know we saw it against Newcastle how well Newcastle played against us City about a couple of times now playing against Burnley and and uh, for Leicester and they got through those games and they won them but it was it was it was one nil victories and and goals that you know, when when the you know the, the most normal of, um, of 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 kind of strikes in, in both instances, and so I thought they looked ner- they starting to look nervous against Leicester. I thought I was starting to think I'm not sure where they get a goal from here, and then and obviously the company one's an incredible strike, but it's 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 once in a lifetime stuff, isn't it? So I think although I think Tuesday will have 
you know, was was big for them. Sorry, Monday, well, I can't, you know, it's hard, it's hard <laughs> this, isn't it? Monday was really big for them. I think, you know, if they, if they get to half time again, you know, the the forward players will maybe start thinking, well, we haven't scored like a you know a Man City goal in a while type thing. And I think Brighton will be up for it. You know, it's been another great season for Brighton, hasn't it? To 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 stay in the Premier League again, you know, considering the resources they've got is is incredible. I think the manager's great, and I think. They'll they'll be dead interested in, in trying to spoil the party and so you know there's one thing wanting it and another thing doing it obviously but I think you know the last few weeks have shown that these teams who play either Liverpool or Man City are really up for it you know eyes at everyone on, are on them and you know they're going to give it a good go. I've uh, sorry I've just spoke to him um, a Brighton fan for our Friday show and uh, he was extremely he really made me hopeful and it, it, I might I might not not like him for it uh, at the end of this week but. He basically told me that Brighton or the fans want them to go for it, but not because they want to do Liverpool a favour. We and it's more to do with they want to upset the party. You know, yeah. they get to be a part mm. of history. Yeah. If they just think about it, right? They've they've just been confirmed that they're staying in the Premiership. They they've got something to celebrate, and the the last game of the season is against the current Premier League champions. And what better way to end your season to celebrate than to get Glenn Murray to stick his head on something and, and take some points off City. And I just read this, uh, we we had this mad stat in the office, which uh, just want to freak you all out because we're all clinging on to everything. The last manager to beat Man City on the final day of a Premier League season. Oh, don't tell me it's Chris Hewton. Big Chris Hewton. Oh, God, I'm going to no be in bits now. 19, <laughs> Manchester City 2, Norwich 3 in 2013. Oh, my God. Come on, Chris so, Take I mean, that one with you. They nearly done it against QPR. QPR nearly done it for the same reason. QPR Give and all the other things. Yeah, QPR were, were enjoying that idea of being party people. Yeah, yeah. Newcastle yeah, tried to do it to us last week. Yeah, yeah. Also, it's their last home game. Mm-hmm. It's their last home game. I, you know, I I don't think they're going to go into professional. I don't buy into this thing of you know, for for lots of teams. I think some you know they don't put in a performance sometimes, but I think by and large, you know, in the most watched you know league in the world, you've got something to show. You may be fancying a move somewhere. You might want to prove. You know, you're good enough to play against the Man Cities and maybe get yourself a move. You maybe got a contract, you know, offer on the table, or you're waiting for a contract offer from the club. You know, they'll enjoy the spe- you know, the spotlights on them. Their fans aren't gonna want them to, you know, turn in a half ass performance. So I, I think we're gonna see, you know, Man City have got to go there and do the job. And it's whether a question gets into their head at any point of this job isn't happening. So you've got to hope. You've got to hope. You've, you, what's the point in going on Sunday just to watch Liverpool? If you're going on Sunday just to watch Liverpool and think, "Oh, it's great. These are going to Madrid." Then you're doing it wrong. You should be thinking, "There's a chance we could walk out of this game with a Premier League title." So we've got to do our job as fans on Sunday as well and, and make sure the team, you know, perform, do everything you can to celebrate what happened in midweek. But you know, try and get them over that line because I want Liverpool to finish with a win anyway. I want yeah. Liverpool to say, "You know what? We pushed you all the way." Yeah. And the, the, there was something in non-league recently. City Liverpool won the, the the league last game of the season, and it, it, it's something that the City League, the City Liverpool manager said to his players and read his interview. He, he told the players, "Don't go out there and play on that game thinking, well, you know, people are going to win the league. Don't go out there thinking Man City are going to win the league, and come in and discover they drew one all, yeah, or come in and discover that they got beat, and you think we could have won the league today. Mm. We could have won the league today. So it's not in our gift, but at any moment it can be." And I, you know, I think and expect Liverpool will be buoyed by midweek and those who can walk, you know, will try and walk around the pitch. Probably Andy Robertson's probably telling Klopp currently, no, we can walk like yeah. he did for that 10 minutes in yeah. the first half against Barcelona. But Which was amazing to see. Which was amazing. He was just literally done that thing, a bit like Deutsch Trent didn't want to go in for his tea. He's, he's done that thing. Yeah. If I don't look at him, he's not there. Yeah. 
<laughs> I, know, I, know, I know he's shouting at me and he know I physically can't walk and he's going to him, no I'm fine he's like, make your leg you literally can't stand on it and he's going no I'm fine I, I'm okay you, you literally could put no weight in it and I think players like that are going to want to get through because they're going to say you've said we've got, you know, what are we going to do for three weeks they're all like sit down for a bit that's what they're going to have a nice big sit down on the couch yeah, yeah no, no, they're not really long bath yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's going to be dead nice for them whilst we're thinking just give 90 minutes Give ninety minutes and go out on a high, and you know it's our last home game. So I want to, I want that. I want to celebrate them for what they've done in the league. I want to celebrate them and send them off to Madrid, you know, before we follow them on on, on the way there. So I think, you know, Sunday I'll get that professional thing, and yeah, who knows? Who knows what happens down in Brighton? If, and you know, if Liverpool score early, you know, Wolves aren't going to get that reaction like the Barcelona fans had to, but. You know, there'll be some Brighton fans who maybe start to clap and start to laugh, and there'll be some City fans and some City players who'll start to think, oh no. I've already, oh, no. Uh, sorry, John, but I've already promised that if Brighton get a result, that the Anfield draft will pay for whatever Brighton fans want to drink. I've already told them they can have <laughs> whatever they want. <laughs> I don't really care. So they can have me wages. Anyone for the who claims it. Obviously, yeah, fine. Yeah. It's, 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 it's like if it's Lizzie's wages. Yeah. <laughs> no, she could be no, no. Union man over there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm no, looking I out mean, for the rest of you, yeah. Yeah, no, I think, I think when we're next down in play, we will load them all a bevy. I don't know if if, if, if Knockhart is knocking about and wants to drink. Hey, out. just imagine our next, our Boston next live show will be Brighton. Well, yeah, Brighton, we get there'll, there'll be no, there'll be no yeah. Brighton, Brighton Reds there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Full of Brighton. Yeah, no, indeed. Yeah. But yeah, you've got a dream, haven't you, as you say? Alison, I'm just really looking forward to, to going to, to our last game of the season match at Anfield and being involved and seeing who's got some sort of device that can tell me what the Man City score is and Liverpool being genuinely involved in it because it's the first time in my lifetime properly, you know, 13-14, Liverpool were technically still in the title race on the last day but they needed to win, City had to lose, there had to be a goal different swing, it was never realistic. This is the first time that, we, that we've gone into a Premier League final day and thought this is still possible and, and that's a big step and it means that I'm really looking forward to it. It's a massive, massive step forward, isn't it? And I sort of slightly disagree with Jay a little bit. I mean, just for the purposes of disagreement, right, to make it fun. But like, like, I think it's completely fine to just go there on Sunday and and just enjoy it and get behind the team and like... And and not particularly worry about the South Coast. Just texting Liverpool to because... cancel Allison's ticket. <laughs> no, no, no. Because that like... MP one, don't let it. In. <laughs> Shut up. Because watch Derek two get knocked back because... now and Allison get in. <laughs> because 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 there's not a lot we can do about it, right? But the thing the thing that we can do is massively get behind that behind the team and show them a, like, a level of love and support that like even we haven't seen this season because it has been an amazing season and we've got to enjoy it. Um, I think that also like the thing that really worries me is like that frankly the Wi-Fi and the mobile signal at Anfield is desperate. I'm all for wireless radio. So like... <laughs> I, I know someone who's got a crack of a smartwatch and the and the access to the uh, LFC media Wi-Fi which is I, a lot stronger yeah, than the fan I, one. I know a fella that was watching when I think they got beat one of the last times he played us at the yeah. same time he was watching at the back of the cop and he's saying yeah. I'll do that again but it'll be the lag and stuff like that like in all seriousness Liverpool need to like have stewards being updated to school. You know, the stewards yeah, that have pieces. They really that, do. Like, you think they're being told, you know, stand by for Operation Alfield exercise. Yeah. They're being told. Stand by for Brighton, White, Manchester City, Neil. Like, you're just, you know, the way it says, like, randomly during the games in the Champions League, it's like VAR review, VAR. Oh, yeah. It's got to be like Brighton chance. 
cleared. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right and goal. Like I think they need to know for the for the sake of all of our mental health, like health, like they've got a duty to somehow properly inform us. They should because... just do it like CFAX used to be on the advertising boards. <laughs> yeah, like no one's asked to like the coffee partner yeah, in China think, is or whatever th- for this day. Just put it there. Do you think they might like actually do something with like the scoreboard or no. something? Or... Nah, no. you'll hear it. It'll be the players. It'll be the players randomly. They'll they'll get the score. Klopp and that with them videos will be watching Brighton City. So you'll see that. They will. They're gonna have it. They're gonna have to have it. They're gonna have to have it. Is it not just like a reaction to the to the the fans? Because if can you not remember Boxing Day when when uh, Leicester beat City and all of a sudden it elevates? There might be yeah, yeah, but but then that's not when it's desperate. If in the 88th minute. Brighton scored an equaliser against Man City and Liverpool are drawing one all with Wolves and Jürgen Klopp's thinking, doesn't really matter, I don't need to chance this person. It's like, nah, lad, put him on. Alisson's up front, put Moreno or whoever in goal, put everyone big in that box. You literally at that moment just decide that you've got five minutes to see if you can win the league. Yeah. And, and I think they will They will have to know the score. They won't be checking it religiously in the They'll first They'll have someone half. In the, on like, from, the bench or whatever. 75, yeah. Yeah. 80 minutes on, you know, even, you know, you're going to go in at half time, I can get a bit of a yeah. signal sometimes where yeah. I'm in the cop and I can get a score. I'm not going to think it's in then, unless it's like Brighton are winning 6-0. And even then, I still won't be sure because, you know, <laughs> what does a lead mean in because football anymore? Yeah. having watched a literal miracle. Yeah, exactly. It's like you now start to believe in actual miracles. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's so ridiculous. There'll be the thing, but then it'll be in the moment. The, the 10 minutes at the end of a game, if there's something in it, I'd... I genuinely think you, I'll have to. I won't be able to believe. You can't actually speak thinking of it now, can you? No, no. I, I, like the, the, the past few weeks in the games, there's been moments where it's like, I can't catch my breath. And I'm yeah. sure it's a, a feeling and experience by lots of other people where you're like, it's just, it's breathless. It, Liverpool, it's literally taking your breath away and, and the way the results are. And there'll be a moment, I think, if it occurs where we're like, I just need to sit, I can't breathe. You're, you're just going to have to take a breath. And, you know, we're all going to be getting text off mates and stuff like that and, in a way, not being able to fully know is a good thing. Yeah. This will be the first time we've not been able to watch them. So maybe that might, maybe us all watching them for the last, you know, two or three weeks has been a jinx. Maybe, maybe well, not they, watching I them. I do a good have thing. like a really strong theory about like how I watch them being. I mean, this is completely well, I, irrational, yeah, right? But oh, I'm, into it had, it. I'm into all of these sorts of things. That if now. you listen to it on the radio, it's different from watching it on the telly. Do you have that? Where... No, I didn't, I didn't watch them on Monday and then was about to say, I'm going to have to put it on and just as literally. I decided that then they scored, so maybe it was that, but I don't know. So are you are you good when they're on the radio or something, and bad the, when they're on telly, or how does it work? Uh, listening to it on the radio is good. Okay, for us, yeah. Then get a transistor radio and bring it in. <laughs> okay, that is your one job. That's my one job. Get a radio. <laughs> laugh on that? Get no, a radio. You've got to bring a radio. You don't even need to listen to it; just make us feel better. Right. It's gonna be, it's gonna be like a prop. Right. What superstitions are you putting in place? So the other night, um, as as you probably know. Uh, because I told everyone because I was just screaming my head off and I was just so excited. Um, I absolutely bashed my leg and my favourite jeans. I've I've ripped the I've ripped a hole in the back. It's like I've they're like a little bit ripped at the front anyway, style wise. So I've got like this mad hole in the back. But now I'm thinking, what if they're me lucky jeans? So then I have to go as like a proper scruff with this hole in the back of my jeans. But how I'm, bad is this hole? Like how big are we talking? <laughs> It's like it's like it's like a slice. If you just if you've just uh, tuned in, there, like there has been football for the previous forty odd minutes. I mean, it's like a little like slit just on weird. the back of my leg. Just we'll I think it. just weird. Just can you can just I just put it out there then to anyone that listens? I'm not a scruff. I'm doing it for the team. Yeah. Mate, if we win yeah, the league, that's no fine. one will care. What are you yeah. What are you doing for it then? What's your part? What's Shane McKenna's part? Just 
shouting at people. What have you not I'm got any superstitions? Nah, on on I I I did in Istanbul get dead superstitious about like fixing me watch and stuff like that. And on on Tuesday nights I started doing it. Do it. Me watch right, okay. like thing, yeah. You've got yours. I, and I did I did genuinely think I've got to wear the same one. I'm thinking if it's sunny on Sunday, I'm gonna be absolutely sweltering if I wear these again, but maybe I should. Yeah, I, I've got a very big. Go one. on, go on. Um, on. This, this is a good. This. I'm glad stick with it. Stick with it. Um, so we went to um, Old Trafford when we drew, um, and ended up going to Newington Temple afterwards. We watched that mad uh, Carabao Cup final where Kepa refused to get replaced, all that sort of stuff. And then they had a turn on, and the lads is an acoustic version of Believe by Cher, and I was in there <laughs> with Phil Blundell, Adam Amelia. Probably the greatest three minutes of my life. It's absolutely fantastic because that's the greatest song ever written and we were very drunk. Um, basically, since then, it's come back into my sort of field of vision as an absolute banger. So we've been driving to quite a few games sort of from a bar in town to the match in Paul Senior's car lately. Um, okay. Since around mid-March, I'd say, I'd say we've done that on the regular. Every time I've insisted that we play Believe by Cher, every single time we've won the game. And there have been a few times where we haven't driven um, with Paul so we were in a black cab the other week there was like me Sean Josh and then Craig was in there as well I said I'm sorry mate but I'm going to have to play Believe by Shane on Spotify <laughs> on my phone so I did um, the only time that I've forgotten to do it was when we lost 3-0 in the new camp because we were away and I didn't do it I remembered at Cardiff as the players were coming out onto the pitch and I held it up to me and Sean Walsh's ears on my phone <laughs> <laughs> it's a pure superstition. <laughs> then we fucking won 2 0. So My I was right to do it. Winning on the lead. And you know what? I didn't play it. I didn't actually play it the other night ahead of Barcelona. And I thought, oh, maybe it stopped working, or maybe it's not for Europe, or something like that. <laughs> and then I remembered that me, Alison, and a few other people were in Mbox karaoke on Renshaw Street the other night. And I actually sang Believe by Cher. And I think it's now become more powerful than it ever was before. So if we could actually arrange somehow George Sheffield to play it, I'm not, then I. Like I haven't got Twitter anymore, but if people can case George I'm not to play, I'm, gonna get right now. I'm genuinely sexting Tony Barrett now. Okay, like, do it once, because once let me take my phone. I back swear on. to God, I swear to God, every do single do play, every single game that we've played, every single one where I've played that song, we've won, and only one I haven't at all, and I haven't sang it on karaoke, was in the new camp, and we got beat three 0 So I'm convinced that it works. Is it like a, I? I don't really know music, so is it like is it genuinely good or is everyone going to be on the ground? Going, it was the first ever is George going to get sacked for playing? No, 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 no shit. It's, it's fine. Fine. I mean, it's, yes, it's honestly probably possibly the song. best dance song of all time. Like if you're going to have I a song at a far, wedding, but, it's, I mean, it's honestly it's one of the best things ever written. It was the first song to ever use auto tune. You know what? Right, I don't know what's all <laughs> the weird. Like it's not even this. Alice said no, it's not. Like dead factual. But I'm looking at Dan Dan's face and I'm thinking, what? He's convincing him. You know, he's convincing him. Believe it. We've, I was looking into it the other day when we got to the final. Let's oh, here we go. Here's a bit of, here's a bit of believe. Skip to the chorus. Skip to the good bit. <laughs> I can't believe it. Yeah, I don't know that one. Yeah. To Let's get on. Yeah. Let's get on. Isn't it good? Let's text George. It was the only song in Motel the other night that didn't get booze because people wanted yes. pretty songs. That one, it's brilliant. Um, basically, on. I, I found out the other day that Imagine Dragons are the people that are playing oh, the Champions League final. A gang of gods who's bothered. <laughs> After Dua Lipa, basically, I, I was wanting to ring up, like, and that's for sure. Dave, Dave <laughs> Pepsi, whoever the CEO of Pepsi Dave is, Pepsi. to say, listen, lads, any chance of getting these gods out and getting shit on <laughs> Genuinely, in a roundabout way, this thing where I have random people's contact details, not Gary Neville this time, I've actually got loads of the email address of the senior people at PepsiCo because they 
weirdly because oh, they, so they, they own Gatorade and when Barrett, and now now Pepsi Pepsi well, I don't know what his, I don't know what his name is but when, when, long story short when we were when we were having a ticket price workout we were like how can we have apply pressure to the sponsors so a lad who does something like basically was able to get all like the email addresses of the senior people at organisations and get us like email addresses to bombard them so we started a subway but I've got somewhere loads of people at PepsiCo so I'll ask PepsiCo to you know, jib Imagine Dragons, BLM, let's get share on. Just just for Dan, just share, just do one little turn, three minutes, I b- believe. If not, we'll get Dan in the middle of the picture with Imagine I'll Dragons. Do I'll do it again. We'll get Dan on. George is doing it on Sunday, and it's on the team plane. Let's let's do it. Tony Barrett better make a stream. Absolutely fantastic. I can't believe it's happening. Everyone tweets Tony Barrett and George Sefton. Don't ask them about tickets and flights to Madrid anymore. Just ask them. Yeah, believe. I like it. It's a call to action. Don't know what Alison's on about. We're having a referendum on Saturday. If <laughs> right, that is about all we've got time for on uh, this edition of the weekend. Thank you very much to all the people I was joined by. Um, that's Alison McGovern, Jay McKenna, Lizzie Doyle, John Gibbons, all of the guests that were on the show as well, all fantastic. Uh, make sure to subscribe to the Anfield app as well if you don't already. Uh, there is at least a European Cup final to go. There'll be loads of exclusive podcasts in the build-up to that and from Madrid as well. We are going on the bus again, so there'll be loads of madness from that. There's also the possibility of us doing loads of coverage around the Premier League title win. Um, so it genuinely is the best time to subscribe if you don't already. And for now, um, let's go Let's go into this and go absolutely berserk. Let's make every moment of it count. Let's enjoy it. Let's try and make all of our dreams come true. Let's believe. Sports Social Podcast Network.